Welcome to the Community Church Podcast, your place to belong. Thanks for taking the time to tune into this week's message. I hope that it blesses and encourages you. You know, before we get into uh, the message today and continue our series on the walking wounded, let me read to you Matthew chapter 5, verse 38 to 48. And then we're going to pray. And it says this, Jesus teaching the Sermon on the Mount, and he, he gravitates towards what happens when we deal with offense. And he says this, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if any, anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, then I want you to hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go, you know, one mile, then would you go with them two miles? Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. And then he goes on to say this, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I will tell you, love your enemy and pray for those that persecute you, that you may be the children of your father in heaven. For he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are you, are you not even the, the, like the tax collectors? Because they're doing that. And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than anybody else? Do not even the pagans do that? But he ends with this, he says, but be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Would you join with me just to pray? Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that, that even in the midst of all this chaos, in the midst of all that's going on and, and the unknown, God, you're still known. And God, you are still making yourself known. And God, it's your heart and your passion that that, God, we would continue to grow in our faith and to be equipped in our faith to continue to discover you even in the midst of a season like this. And so, Lord, I just pray for your word. I pray that, God, as we take time, we thank you for a powerful sense of your presence in worship. But, but God, as now we switch gears to your word, I pray, as we've always prayed here at Community Church, that, God, you would give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying. That, God, you would give us the, the courage to walk it out and, and the obedience, that God, we would be obedient to your word, that we would we have hearts that would engage your thoughts today, that your thoughts would transform us and lead us today. And we just declare that right now in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen, amen. I felt like I could hear you saying that, right? Well, listen, I wanna continue our series on the walking wounded. And uh, when I think about the walking wounded, one of the things that I think about is, is a wound that we really struggle with is offense. And I got a question for you this morning. Have you ever been offended? I mean, right now, I don't have to see you. I can, I can just tell that wherever you are right now, that you're probably either laughing or you're grinning at least because you know what I'm talking about. Every single one of us, no matter who we are, if we're breathing, 
we have experienced being offended, meaning someone or something has happened, you know, along our day, whether it's at work or at home or out in, you know, a grocery store, somebody did something, said something, uh, their attitude towards something just didn't sit right with us, right? Like it, it rubs us the wrong way. It, 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 it's, um, it's just something that we disagree with. And sometimes what we hear or what we see can even lead to even more serious offense where we're, you know, we're hurt by it or we experience some kind of pain. And in the same way that, you know, we experience being offended, the truth is we've all offended. That like taxes, it's a guarantee. Every single one of us at some point in our lives, at some point during our week, maybe even at some point during our day, we've done the exact same thing. We are guilty of offending somebody by what we say, by what we do, uh, you know, by our attitudes or whatever it might be. We've all done it. In fact, you know, it was interesting when I was getting ready for the sermon, I came across a quote that I thought, man, this would be really cool to have printed on a t-shirt because it is, it's totally true. It says this, I would like to apologize to anyone that I have not yet offended. Please be patient. I will get to you shortly. Right? I mean, we've all done it. And in fact, I've done it. You know, I, I think back in a moment where uh, we were at a church and uh, the church received a letter. And it was, it was, uh, it was uh, directed towards the board, but it was about me. It was about my ministry. It was about, uh, you know, uh, everything about me, really. And to be honest with you, there were elements within the letter that didn't sit well. It was hurtful. It was hard to read. But then there were some things that were a little bit trivial, if I'm being honest. Uh, you know, uh, things that now I can look back and kind of chuckle. I didn't in the moment. I was quite offended, but apparently it's because I offended them. And they were offended by, you know, some little things like, you know, what I wore, like I, what I'm wearing now. Maybe you're offended by what I'm wearing right now, but, but this person was bothered. In fact, they said that a lot of people in the church were bothered by what I wore, uh, where I stood when I spoke. Uh, they didn't like the fact that I didn't have a, a pulpit in front of me, a big, massive pulpit, and the fact that I didn't stand on the stage. In fact, to be honest with you, uh, one of the ones that really was pretty trivial was this... Um, this idea that I spoke more to the people on the left side than I did the right side. And they were bothered by that. And so they were asking the board, you know, hey, listen, when are you guys going to do a performance review? Because I think these things need to be addressed if he's going to pastor your church. And actually what makes this whole thing even funnier, uh, and I'm not making light of offense, but in that moment, what was funny about this is the person that wrote the letter didn't even attend our church and they represented a group of people but we didn't know who they were, right? Now listen, I can look back and I can grin. I can laugh about that a little bit, you know, but, but the truth is, and being serious now about offense, if there was ever a wound that really can limit our ability to run the race, because remember, Hebrews chapter 12 is the reason why we're talking about wounds and the walking wounded, because sometimes we don't even realize that we're holding on to wounds. And Hebrews chapter 12, verse one and two says, hey, listen, God's marked out this race and, and there's a crowd that's cheering you on. So throw off everything that hinders. And the Passion Translation puts it this way. Let go of every wound that has pierced you. 
And if there's ever a wound that I think has really ha- that really has the ability to truly limit our ability to run the race that God calls us to, it's the wound of offense. How we take offense. And like any wound, and you know this, and I know this, and we said this right from the get-go of this series, no matter what wound we talk about, if a wound is left unattended, it will fester, it will grow. And man, i got to tell you, offense can be so dangerous. If we allow it to sit, it has the ability, the power to ruin and to damage our hearts. You know, emotionally, spiritually, it has the ability to ruin relationships. I mean, Proverbs chapter 19, for example, says that, you know, a brother that's been, you know, offended by something is, is, is like or the equivalent of a fortified city, meaning it's almost next to impossible to get through to them again. And, and, and more than that, that, that also has, if that happens, then the truth is that offense can lead to ruining our lives, our faith. And to be quite honest with you, it hampers and it limits our ability to walk in the future that God has for us. You know, beyond that, as you study offense in the Bible, especially in the New Testament, you see that offense and how we react to offense could actually damage the work that God's doing in somebody else's life. It could actually impact the, the ability of God because we're, 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 we're creating an impression of who God is because as we've all talked about here at Community, that, that sometimes the best representation people have about or who God is is through their interactions with us. So sometimes what they see from us is what they perceive they're getting from God even though we're not God, and he's perfect and we're not. And the thing about offense, like other wounds, is that it can spiral, right? Like it can spin into being completely out of control. You know, I can see how, you know, if we held on to offense long enough that, you know, we can find ourselves, you know, uh, forming opinions about people that, that really begin to uh, lead us to a place where we just distance ourselves from them or, you know, we kind of shun them. We, we just keep them out of our circle. And I'm going to show you in a few moments, that's not, that's not God's heart. And, and sometimes, you know, uh, offense and anger and irritation and resentment can, boy, I'll tell you, we, we'd have to fight off the temptation not to talk about people with other people, which is no different than saying you're gossiping or I'm gossiping. And that, again, is something that we know from the scriptures is not, you know, it's not something that God wants as a part of our lives. But, but along with that is that offense that can create irritation can lead to anger and that anger can lead to resentment. And eventually, if resentment is left, many believe that it'll lead to bitterness. And you you don't want bitterness. The Bible's clear that, that bitterness is referred to like a poisonous root. Once it gets in, man, it just destroys everything. You know, there's an author who wrote an article. Her name is Alyssa Howard. And I think she put it best when it comes to um, avoiding offense or dealing with offense. She said this, that if we were wise, we would stop we would stop this progression before it even had a chance to begin. That if we realize the power of offense and its ability to damage and ruin relationships, God's reputation, or even 
our own walk with him, we'd stop it before it gets any further. So it begs the question, right? So what do you do about offense? Because the reality is, as ideal as it would be to say, well, listen, let's just stop offending and let's just stop being easily offended. The truth is, somewhere along the line, human nature is going to give in. There's going to be a line that's crossed that's going to really be challenging for us not to respond or to be offended. And so the, the question, it really isn't about, you know, what do we do you know, to keep it from happening, it, probably the better question to ask ourselves is what do we do when it happens? What's our recourse? What's our steps that we need to take? You know, behind my house, I have a trail. And uh, it's not my trail. It's the trail that belongs to the city. And, uh, and that trail leads to a parking lot where uh, if you're part of community, you know that I live close to A&W and I drool all the time. Uh, not intentional. It just happens. You smell it. It's so good. Um, but it leads to, you know, like Starbucks and, uh, you know, Subway and no frills, grocery stores, Canadian Tire, all that kind of stuff. And, and right where you would connect from the trail to the parking lot, you will, uh, it, it, there's a little bit of a dip. And so when the snow melts after the winter or we have a really heavy rain, because of that dip and the way that the fence is and, and also, you know, where the, uh, there's long grass as well and you don't know what's inside the grass and you have no idea. And so it's pretty narrow. And because of all the water, it will create a puddle. And, and you've got to get around it in order to get to where you want to go. And it's not uncommon for my daughters to go up the back gate and, and try to navigate through the puddle in order to get to Starbucks or Subway or A&W or swing over to the grocery store to, to grab something. I've done it myself, you know, like you, it's, it's, it's challenging, but it's, but it's doable. Now, you might have to be like super, uh, you know, Superman or Spider-Man uh, to get around it. And, and I know some of you are looking at me going, well, you don't resemble either one. But hey, listen, I got skills. Don't let the uh, perceived lack of, of athleticism fool you. I, I can get around it. And I have, whether it's straddling the fence and using the fence to get across or sometimes looking for some of the raised areas so that you can step around the puddle. Or sometimes, to be honest with you, you're looking and you have no option, but you have to, to get through. You just choose to take your foot and you just take one step into the puddle and you go through the puddle because it's necessary well here's the thing navigating through offense is just like that it can be challenging but it's doable but it's all about the steps in fact more importantly it's about the steps that as a follower of Jesus what he calls us to and, and, and to start, you know, this discussion today about the steps that we can take to, to navigate or work through offense or being offended and how do we handle those moments, I'm reminded of 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 19 and verse 23 specifically because for me it embodies what Jesus taught are the right steps that, that we need to take when we experience you know, offense that he's teaching about and dealing with in Matthew chapter 5. And, and Peter says this, this is the gracious thing. That when you're facing, you know, your, your heartache, your sorrow, your, uh, you know, when you're facing offense, he says, listen, when you are facing that and you're being mindful of God as you're enduring the sorrows that you're experiencing unjustly, meaning you've just encountered something that 
you don't deserve or you don't think is right, that, that just doesn't sit well with you. He says, listen, the gracious thing is when you are mindful of God in those moments. And, and then he switches gears and he begins to talk about Jesus who taught about dealing with offense, what he modeled when he faced one of the, the moments of his life that was really offensive. And it was what we celebrated last weekend, the death and all that led up to the death and resurrection of Jesus. In verse 23, it says this, that when they hurled their insults at him, I want you to highlight this, verse 23, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. He could have, but he decided not to because he had the bigger picture in mind. And when he suffered, he made no threats. He could have, but Peter said, notice that he didn't. But instead, he says, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. You know, when Peter says, when you're facing your offense, what's hurt you, what's bothered you, what, what just doesn't sit right with you, that you just feel like, man, this is just wrong. And you feel like you've been wronged, even to the extreme where you're hurt. He said Jesus modeled something. And that model challenged Peter to say, when you're facing it, be mindful of God, meaning think about how he thinks about it. And choose his way. Choose the way of God. Take the steps that he has modeled. Take the steps that he's taught. And, 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 and can I say to start this whole discussion about, you know, steps that we can take. You know, I mentioned earlier that sometimes when you're facing the puddle, you got to look and step around some things. And I think that's one of the ways that Jesus encourages us and models for us when we face offense. Sometimes we just need to go around it. If I'm being honest with you, and you probably know this you, when you think about this, and certainly I've discovered this when I've done you know, some reading of different articles and researching what offense is like, and, and it's common to hear people talk about how not every offense is worthy of response or reaction. That, that sometimes, and, and I didn't say this earlier, but sometimes, you know, sometimes what's at the foundation of us being offended is sometimes it's just a matter of our preference or our opinion or maybe even our pride. Maybe we just feel so strongly about something that nobody else can be right. We're the right ones on this particular matter. And when you, when you read, you know, articles and, and you hear of some people's stories that, that feel like, you know, they've wrestled through, you know, offense and this is how God got them through, that's one of the common threads is that sometimes, you know, sometimes we get triggered because what's being said might be coming across as offensive, but it could be true. But that doesn't mean that we necessarily respond by exacting re revenge or you know, satisfying what the flesh wants, which is, man, let me just, let me at you, you know, kind of thing. No, instead, if anything, sometimes we just need to evaluate. Sometimes we need to ask ourselves, why am I being triggered? Because here's the thing, it's true that not all offense that we encounter is offensive. And, and, and here's the thing, not, not only that, but it's not always personal. Sometimes we take the offense and we see it as 
personally directed towards us. And sometimes it's not. And sometimes, and this is awkward, but sometimes the reason that we're experiencing offense is because someone's taken an action, but we don't necessarily understand the action. Uh, my, my point is this. I, I had a friend who was living in the U.S. a few years ago. And I remember him telling me a story. He had a really strong opinion about when the word of God was being read. He felt like it was appropriate for the pastor to stand always when he's reading the scripture. The rest of the sermon, he didn't mind if he sat, walked around. But when you're reading the word of God, you got to stand. And so this one given Sunday, his pastor, who normally did that, uh, decided one Sunday to sit down at a chair. And for the entire sermon, both reading and preaching, he just sat. And so my friend was so bothered by, you know, this act, he couldn't believe it. He's like, man, this is wrong. And, and, and just something just rose up inside him that he, he got to a place of offense. So he decided to deal with it. And so he sent an email to his pastor and he's like, hey, you know, pastor, I love you and I appreciate you. But uh, I've got to tell you, I was, I was very offended that you did not stand for the reading of the word of God. And he told me, he said, and a few weeks later, he said, man, one of the most awkward responses I ever got. And he said, here's what it was. He said, my pastor apologized. He said, I just want to apologize to you. It was not intentional. I didn't mean to offend you by sitting for the reading of the word of God. However, I obviously uh, either didn't communicate or you didn't catch it. But the reason why I had to sit was because I had knee surgery that week. And I wasn't able to stand. Well, my friend felt like this big in that moment. But my point is this. Sometimes our overreaction can complicate offense. And there are times where, where we need to be like Jesus. Don't respond. It's not worthy of a response. It's not necessary for the reaction. Sometimes we just need to learn to let it go and let God. I mean, that was... That, that's, that's one of the things that's, that, that you're going to see in Scripture is that, that we need to just let God take care of it. And he will. And I'll show you that in a few moments. But what Peter picks up here and what he shares, this is something that Jesus not only modeled, but he taught. And we pick it up here in Matthew chapter 5. Because here's the thing. Uh, as as we, we cling to what Jesus modeled for us, the reason why Jesus addresses offense in Matthew chapter 5 at the Sermon on the Mount is because of what had been modeled and taught by the religious leaders of his day. And Jesus said, we've got to change gears because this doesn't align with the heart of God. You'll notice at the beginning of Matthew chapter 5 verse 38 and a little further down, he uses a phrase. He says, you have heard that it was said. And basically what, uh, you know, what, what Jesus was saying is this is what you've been taught. Look, I don't, I don't know about you, but I definitely know that, that throughout my life, there are times where someone has offended me and I've had people say to me, hey, listen, you, man, you, you, should, you should pay back, man, pay back. You should react to this. And, 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 and sometimes even our culture or even our flesh wants to dictate in that moment uh, and to satisfy that craving. I, this is what you should do in response. And the problem in the day of Jesus and in this moment the religious leaders were taking biblical um, Old Testament laws and using it to justify revenge in the moment of offense 
when that wasn't the heart to begin with and certainly wasn't the heart of Jesus when he came. In fact, you know, that phrase, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, was a law that was given to protect victims from serious crimes. And, and it was meant to exact justice. But never was it intended to be used to allow people or to justify exacting revenge, but that's what the religious leaders of his day were actually teaching people. It's okay. Hey, if somebody does something wrong to you, the, the scripture says, an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, whatever they do to you, you have every right to do it back. But Jesus challenged that. And not only did he challenge that, he challenged the other part where they again used a portion of scripture, but they added to it an Old Testament, uh, you know, uh, mandate from the Lord where it says, love your neighbor. We all know that. But they added this other part based on a couple of other scriptures that talked about, you know, God's disdain in the Old Testament for other nations that were against his people. And they, they developed this thought. That it's, it's well known that the Pharisees had developed this thought that, hey, listen, love your neighbor. And for them, that means love only the people that you find yourself in agreement with. That you believe the same thing, that you think the same way, but the moment that they don't, they become your enemy and you have every right to hate them. You have every right to shun them. And Jesus is like, what? That's not true. That's not the heart of God. It's not the heart of God that when we experience offense, whether it's something that someone did to us, or something that somebody said that we're just not in agreement with it, there's nowhere in Scripture where he says, hey, listen, cut them out. And I'm going to show you what I mean by that in just a few moments. Instead, the complete opposite. Jesus said, I'm going to establish some new steps, a new way. Going back to 1 Peter, I love what he said. Hey, when you're facing it, be mindful of God's thoughts. Choose his way. Well, Jesus said, that's not the way that I want you to go as a child of God. As a follower of mine, I don't want you to go that way. In fact, I'm going to tell you. What he basically said is, I'm going to flip the script on you. I want you to do the opposite. In fact, I want you to do what is unexpected. I want you to, to not do what this influential group or what your culture has taught you, what your world has taught you, what, what has been affirmed, what's been reaffirmed in, in action and saying it's okay. I want you to do the, completely, the complete opposite. I want you to do the unexpected. I want you to do the God thing. I want you to be gracious. Think about what he said right? Matthew chapter 5 verse 38 and he says, listen, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. When somebody does something, you just do the exact same or you do what's required in return. But then he says, hey, listen, if somebody slaps you in the cheek, turn it. Give them the opp opportunity to do the other one. Or if somebody wants to sue you for your shirt, hey, listen, don't just give them the shirt, man. Give them your jacket. Give them a bunch of other things. Go the extra mile. Be gracious. And you know what grace means. Grace means doing or giving what is undeserved. Yeah, I get it. There are times where justice is required. But even in justice, even how Jesus dealt with us, he extended, he chose to extend grace. 
He chose to extend mercy. If you follow the thought that Jesus had in Matthew chapter 5, and he shifts from an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth to love your neighbor and hate your enemies, he's saying, listen, I want you to do the opposite. I want you to love them. In fact, I want you to pray for them. Just imagine that. Someone who has greatly offended you, they've ticked you off, they've angered you, they've even hurt you. And Jesus says, I want you to do the opposite. I want you to pray for them. I want you to care for them. I want you to do whatever you can that's the opposite of what they expect and what they deserve. And here's why. Because if you don't, you will never win. And the reason why you never win is because when we respond with revenge, when we, we respond in a way that's not honoring to God, when we're offended, all we're doing is we're continuing the cycle. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse 17 to 21. Paul picks up on this very same theme. Listen to what he says. He says, never pay back evil with more evil. In fact, he says, do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honorable. Do what you can do that, that's, that's in your ability to live in peace with everyone. What he's basically saying is, listen, if there is tension, don't let it be because of you or your actions. He says, man, dear friends, don't never take revenge. Leave that to the, the righteous anger of God. Remember what I said to you? Sometimes we just got to let things go and let God. That was Paul's thoughts in Romans. He's like, listen. Let the righteous anger of God, because the scriptures say, I will, take a, I, will, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. But instead, if, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. And in doing this, I love this. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Now you're, you're saying, well, how come you love that? I'll explain why I love that. Because that phrase means that, that in doing this, you might actually be creating an opportunity for God to move. Because this is a reference to, to, you, to doing the opposite of what is expected. When you extend grace, when, when we extend love and mercy, and, and, and instead of taking revenge, we choose to do the opposite. It might get your enemy, your offender, to start thinking through. And maybe they'll start to feel a sense of conviction of what they did. And once that happens, maybe this might be leaving room for God to work. And he summarizes it by saying this. Don't let evil conquer you. Don't let the cycle continue. But instead, if you want to conquer it, do it by doing what is good. And I, I know you want this, and I know I want that. And sometimes we need to, not sometimes, in fact, always, we need to make sure that God is determining our steps not our flesh, not what we've been modeled. Sometimes we need to step around and sometimes we need to do what is in this case, stepping up. Because I'm going to tell you right now, this is way beyond 
our ability. But what I love about God's word, and you've heard me say this, is that whatever God encourages us, teaches us, challenges us to, God will always equip us by his spirit to make it possible. Now, let me add one more step before I close today about offense and how we can work through offense. Sometimes, just like I said, you know, you're, uh, you, you come across that big puddle on the end of that trail and you're making your way to where you need to go, that race that you're running. Sometimes you can't use the fence and sometimes there isn't a way to go around. Sometimes you have to step in. And I understand that there are times where we need to address offense. Sometimes it's because we don't have the ability to let it go. It's hurt us, whether it's unintentional or not. There are times where we just can't let it go. And then there are times where things are said or done that are offensive, that aren't right, and they, it's necessary for us to address it. So what do we do? Well, the teachings of Jesus, the steps that he would encourage, the steps that he would model or has modeled, sometimes you just got to step into it. Sometimes you've got to learn to address it. Now, when I say that, you're still doing it with grace. You're still doing it with a sense of mercy, and you're still doing it in love. Those things never go away. No matter what we face in the way of offense, those things never go to the wayside, but we still use that approach. But when I say we need to step in, sometimes we need to step in, but listen to me. Again, we don't address it to exact revenge, we address it to bring about restoration and a resolution. Listen to Matthew chapter 18, verse 15 to 17. It's another moment and Jesus says this, if another believer sins against you, I want you to go privately to them and I want you to point out the offense. Not that you're offended, notice what he said, point out the offense, point out what was done, what was said and notice that it says privately. Because I'm going to tell you something right now. There are times where I, and, and I've had the same temptation. Man, something happens to me, man, and I just want to go off on Facebook. But the truth of the matter is this. Is that if we're going to bring about restoration, we need to do the mature thing, the godly thing. Remember what Jesus said at the end of Matthew chapter 5. Verse 48, he said, listen, be perfect as God is perfect. What he means by that is do the mature Thing. And the mature thing is not ranting on Facebook or, you know, uh, getting so angry about it and talking to other people. Because I'm going to tell you something, if you're not talking to the person that has offended you and you're not seeking counsel on how to deal with it, I'm just being honest with you, you need to stop talking. I need to stop talking. Because the biblical direction, the teaching, the steps that God calls us to is to go to them privately and discuss the offense and listen to what he says. Hey, listen, if the other person listens, and can I just say this, if you're the person that has brought the offense, even if it seems trivial to you, even if you feel like it's not warranted, Jesus said, if the other person listens, I think it's upon us as mature followers of Jesus, or at least people that are striving to grow in our walk with God, that we be open and listen to what's actually being said. 
And maybe, just maybe, we have done something that is offensive. And maybe we do need to own it. And, and, and Jesus goes on to say that if the person listens, if they grab it and they realize what they did and they confess it to you, then man, you, you've won. You've won that person back. You've restored that relationship. You haven't lost it. You've kept it. That's, that's the ultimate goal. He kept it. It's his heart and his passion. But listen, but notice, he didn't just say go once. He said, listen, if you're unsuccessful, take one or two others with you. Meaning, go back at it again. Don't give up. Step into it. And now this time, bring them and have the conversation with witnesses. Now, I just want to give a word of wisdom and caution if you're at that stage with somebody. Man, make sure it's somebody that mutually you both trust, respect, and is somebody that can be impartial. Because sometimes we can pull people in that will you know, cheer us on and come to our defense and say, yeah, they're right, you're wrong. And again, that's only going to put someone on the defensive and just create the cycle and make it happen even longer. But again, he says, listen, let them be there to listen what's going on. But if the person still refuses to listen, he doesn't say, hey, shun them, get rid of them, don't worry about it, walk away, exact revenge. No, he says, I want you to take it another step further. He's like, I want you to take it to the church, meaning bring in some pastors, some spiritual leaders and authority over them. And again, he says, listen, if they still don't accept the churches or the pastors or the spiritual authority over them, their decision, he says, treat them as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. Now, here's what's interesting about that. There are some people that would say, hey, You've done all you've had to do. Now you can just cut them out of your life. That's not what it says. At least not how I read it. Because if I decide to treat the pagan or the person like a pagan, like Jesus treated pagans, sinners, I'm still called to love them and speak the truth in love, but still love them tax collectors. Man, Jesus still spent time. In fact, he went after the tax collectors. I don't think that's what Jesus is teaching here in this moment. He's not saying shun them. I mean, look at Matthew chapter 5 again. He's not talking about that. Now, I think what he's saying is wisdom says create a good, healthy boundary. Limit your interaction until a resolution can happen. But when I read this, I'm encouraged that I would, should create a boundary that still allows for the door of restoration to happen in the future. Meaning I love them from maybe a distance or I interact with them, but only in limited ways. Still loving them the way Jesus loved others. Still extending grace and trusting that God is at work beyond what I've been able to do according to the steps that he's asked me to take. So I just want to encourage you because sometimes we can complicate you know, the process and just know that even in those moments, the heart 
of God is that we would always work towards restoration. Now, before I close, I did have one other step. Because if you're like me, I'm looking at all of this stuff going, ah, Jesus, this is way too hard, man. Like, this is, that's crazy. And I know that the Holy Spirit can help me. But can I encourage you, if, if you and I really want to get beyond offense or being easily offended or dealing with offense and having that motivation to work through it, step into it, you know, to, to step up and to maybe at times step around and have that wisdom, I think we need to step into immersing ourselves with the love of God. And here's why I say that. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 makes it very clear that love is one of the most critical characteristics that we should have. And it's love that motivated and fueled the heart of God to extend grace when it wasn't deserved. To extend mercy when it wasn't deserved. To, to love even when he was being rejected. To love even when they were hurling insults. What, what, what caused him to love? What, what challenges him and fuels him to go above and beyond what's expected? To do the unexpected was love. And so it makes sense to me that the more we immerse ourselves in the love of God and understand the love of God, then we begin to take on the love of God. And that love begins to shape and steer and, 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 and fuel us to do the very same thing that God calls us to. I, I love what Graham Cook says. He's an author. He said this, God is loving you into better relationships. He is loving you into being a more loving person. And the more that we grow in love, the less offended we become. And the less offended that we become, the more easily and quickly we get healed when people do wound us. It's so true, man. I think the best step before any other step is to focus on immersing myself in the love of God and praying that I would see through those eyes and allow it to fuel me to take steps, whether it's steps around it, steps that we need to take to, to go beyond what we're capable of doing naturally or what our flesh wants. And those moments, those tough moments where we have to wrestle through it and step in. Let's pray. Thanks for listening in to this week's message. Be sure to follow us on all social media to stay updated with everything Community Church. Also check us out at www.